Yeah, kid. Well, we're back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka. You still hopeful? Just got old man Randy staring at me with a confused look on his face. AKA El Judio Maravilloso. All right. We got another dynamite show today. Amazing guest today. I've been trying to get him on for a while. He embodies everything that I embody when you look at me, which is 150% luxury. But do you know who embodies luxury? Top to bottom, head to toe, Captain Permit. That's right. If you need plans, if you need permits, if you need anything permit related, coast to coast, from Elmont to Montauk, tip to tip, interior alterations, legalizations, new construction, commercial, you name it, we do it. We've got the best crew in the business. 516-513-8838. And obviously I'm the handsome home buyer and I am on a freaking epic tear right now. Hold on, let me kind of show you around here. You see this? This is all the deals that are popping off right now. It's total madness. I'm gunning for 100 houses this year. Corona, no Corona. If it's on Long Island, if God created it and it can't be moved, if it smells like cat piss, if it's dirty, if it's clean, I don't care. I'm quick. I'm easy. I'm a good time. I want to buy it. 516-777. Sold. All right. Today's guest. I actually, I, I know him very well indirectly. He happens to be the brother of one of the top real estate attorneys on Long Island, Dustin Cohen, who appeared on the podcast not that long ago. Great friend. He actually also appeared on the Long Island Real Estate Revolution and was a crowd favorite. So this gentleman is his brother. Beard game on point, right? Lives, works in New York City with Compass on one of the top 100 real estate teams in the state of New York doing anywhere between 70 and $100 million worth of gross sales on an annual basis. Amazing beard, unbelievable shape. This dude can just sit around and eat chips for 365 days and then get up off the couch, brush the crumbs off, and go run 35 miles without breaking a sweat. Never seen anything like it. He's a great man. He is Brandon Cohen. Yo! What's up, man? What's going on? Welcome, bro. That was a great intro. What do you think about that? Uh, what do you think about eating the uh, eating the potato chips by day and and running four hundred miles by night? Uh, I can't say that you lied. Your your uh, your reputation precedes you, sir. That's it. You're you you set it on point. So there's 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 a bunch of things I want to talk to you about. First, I myself am trying to get to your level during Corona. Mm -hmm. You're doing good. I'm not quite there yet, but what I really want to know is. How do you fight the itch? Because every day I'm clawing at this thing and my girlfriend just yells at me and says, don't be a quitter. Don't you be, don't you dare be a freaking quitter. Good. You just got to power through. Just, that's it? It's mind over matter? Same thing. Just, just know that it's going to be there. Just like, you know, you're running 30 miles. You got you to gotta power through. Your legs are hurting, your body's hurting, everything's hurting. You're like, all right, this itches. You know what I I always, I'm getting closer. As I talk to you, I kind of feel more and more because... Obviously, you know, we have very close mutual friends and family. Yeah. Uh, we've never actually, you know, spent time together. This is this is us popping our cherry. But the more I talk to you, the more I feel like you are the hipster version of David Goggins. <laughs> of David Goggins? You know, minus like, minus the whole military thing and all that. I just feel like you're like, mindset, boom, power through it. Whatever needs to get done, you do it. 
I get the mindset part, the military part, the the childhood disaster part. We're not we're not on par with that, but yeah. Oh, I, also, I also forgot to mention the people at home that you're Jewish, so you're a fellow bar mitzvah boy. Happy to be here. So uh, I'm I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> about it. So I brought you on the show for a bunch of reasons. A, you're uh, you're like you're legendary at this point, and B, I want to talk about all things luxury, New York City, because. There's some crazy shit going on. You've been in the business for 10 years now, right? 10 years. So you've kind of watched the whole, you know, post-crash agglomeration mm -hmm. in the city of people just rushing to the city, big money, prices, development, madness, and then ultimately yeah. the stall, and then things start to kind of like, you know, new development kind of take a, a shit. And then now we have COVID, which is just nobody even knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, so I got in pretty much right in, uh, you know, like when the market was just absolute dog shit, 2010. I had a lot of people, I left, you know, an awful, awful uh, job right out of school. And a lot of people were asking me, why the hell were you leaving a job that was giving you a paycheck every two weeks um, into this market? So seeing it that, but then seeing it really just fly through the roof, um, you know, bringing customers to, to deals where they were they were one of like 10 bidders and deals going hundreds of thousands of dollars over ask on like a one and a half million dollar property where that doesn't make sense um to where we are right now which is sort of in a stall period but you know yesterday at least in new york city was the start of phase two so we'll see how we how we pick up from there so let's take it back for a minute so obviously you were born and raised on long island mm -hmm. Plainview. What? Where were you? Oh, no, no, no. You were you were Farmingdale. No, no, no. Farmingdale, yeah, yeah. Farmingdale. North Massapequa, but Farmingdale School. Families in in real estate in the in 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 law. What um, mm -hmm. what kind of led you to uh to sales to brokerage? Um, it's a tough question. So I mean, I was living in Long Beach at the time, right after college. Um, you know. Two of my best friends and roommates just living the life. Um, and then I don't know what exactly it was that got me into it. I, you know, I love real estate just from from a perspective of this house is beautiful. I want to live in that, you know, that amazing wealth in Soho, something like that. Um, so I just sort of made the transition. I worked for a mortgage company all throughout high school and college. So I had that you know, that sort of background knowledge, but I wanted to be on the other end of it. Quite honestly, I didn't know what what end of it I wanted to be in. Um, but I figured New York City real estate, you know, you, you can't go wrong there. Where where did you go to school? SUNY Oneonta. Ah, home of the cold cheese, baby. Cold <laughs> cheese pizza. You didn't know Have it? you been up there? Oh, ah. my God. Listen, I may have went to Hofstra. My one sort of regret in life is that I didn't get to go away to college, but I did go to visit Oneonta quite often. And the cold cheese, while I did regret it moments after eating it every single time, oh, yeah. was Good still time. epic. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely epic. So the thought of it now makes me turn. But yeah, uh, dude, you're dude. You don't. You're one of these guys that doesn't doesn't gain weight. You could eat a pizza. And you're just yeah. still lean as shit and ripped. True. True. Hey, like, I, what, can I, what can I say about that? So 
I mean, what? It, so I, I have thought about getting into real estate sales at, at different mm -hmm. points. And I, I, I feel like you, you made the smart move, which is in every deal, I feel like it's just as much work to do a $100,000 deal, probably more work sometimes, as it is to do a $10 million deal. And it's like, if you're going to blow up and be in real estate, I think the best place to do real estate sales is, is New York City. But at the same time, it, without a doubt, has to probably be the hardest place to do business. The competition has to be absolutely bananas. And like yep. you said, when you get into it, no one's cutting you a check. It's like killer, you know, you, you basically eat what you kill. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, absolutely. You know, talk to talk to us about what it was like getting getting into luxury sales, what that process was, how long it took you to actually make your first deal, what kind of training did you get? Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear it. So one of the things that I learned when I first got into real estate, I, I remember sitting down with a guy who had been in the business for a really long time, he's still in it. And he said, this is New York City. Everyone's obsessed with real estate. Everyone always wants to talk about real estate. But every single person that you're ever going to meet probably knows seven agents. So you need to be the number one that they, the first one that they think of. And that goes for New York City or if you're in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So, um, so anyway, so a great thing when I first got into real estate uh, in 2010, I was, I was with Corcoran then. Um, and they automatically set you up with uh with a mentor you know it's like you you have to work with a mentor you have no choice if you have no experience in the business um so i got set up with uh, a really great guy james morgan i'm on his team now uh you know after being in the business on my own for six years um so that obviously has been a, a really great relationship but the mentor program it only works if the mentor you know just like in anything wants to help so, you know, for, for my benefit, he had been in the business a long time, has a really great network. Um, so if little things were coming his way, um, like a small rental, it was easy for him to say, here, I don't feel like dealing with this, you go deal with it. Um, and what I've learned uh, being in this business for so long is that you don't know where your next deal is coming from. So. I can take one rental that I did back in 2010 or 11 and probably trace it back to $100 million worth of deals. I remember it was one, I did like a, like a $2,000 studio rental for some kid. And he referred me to one of his good friends who needed to rent something. And then that kid referred me to his dad who was buying a $2 million apartment and then I took over that building, doing all the sales there, and he referred me to all his friends, and that and that like led me into uh, sort of taking, you know, not taking over, but doing a lot of business in a certain neighborhood because that became something I was uh, excelling at selling apartments. So I guess a couple things that I have questions based on what you're telling me. A, do you, um, you know, some of the time, like, so you talk about a guy like Brian Carp on Long Island, who's just an absolute powerhouse, did 209 sales last year. He um, he has like a niche market where he focuses primarily on like the Ronkonkoma area and he just owns mm -hmm. it. You know, you right. can't go to the bathroom without pulling toilet paper with a face on it. Um, <laughs> do, you, um, do you utilize the same strategy in the city? And if so, what's your, what's your area? And do you just kind of saturate that like price bracket or, or what is it? Mm, um, yes and no. I mean, I want to be everywhere. Um, which I do do deals, you know, from 
from Brooklyn to the top of Manhattan. But it just so happened that, you know, the one deal I was just referencing, I sold, you know, it was this kid that I met him. He bought a 2000 square foot loft in Chelsea. And that was like pre-war loft and the elevator opens directly in and you have this, you know, this big wide open space. There's a ton of that downtown that sort of became what I was going after, uh, or what I was going after rather. And it's also just something that, you know, I love that product. I love these big brick wide open spaces with 12 foot ceilings and 10 foot windows. That's something that I just, I dig it. So I want to go after it. Um, so that's something that I definitely focus on. I would say it's like the, like the, the one and a half to $5 million pre-war loft downtown. Um, but that said, I'm, I'm everywhere. I live on the Upper West Side. I sell up here. I sell on the East Side. I sell downtown. I sell Brooklyn. Do you remember your first transaction as uh, as an agent? Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to know, um, kind of. I'm curious to know, kind of like the timetable and what was involved in from the moment you signed on to when that actually happened. Was it three months? Was it six months? Was it a year? Because again, it takes like being being a commissioned salesperson. It takes a lot of faith. Like you have to really be able to visualize and see the future and be like, I'm going to do this and keep plowing through yep yep so oh man so this was yeah 10 years ago i think i got i got in i think i started in august or something like that sometime in the summer i got my first listing in february of the next year wow and the and the the way that i got that basically a, you know, a great way. And I suggest this to anyone who's just starting in real estate. There are a ton of agents who have so much business, they don't know what to do with it, or they also don't want to, uh, they don't want to spend their free time hosting open houses. So you, I was hosting open houses for any agent who would allow me to, to do it for them. And any buyers, any buyers that come, that come direct without a buyer's agent, you can do your best to cultivate them and, and make them your client. There was one uh, young girl who uh, who believed in me, even though I had no track record. She saw how uh, how badly I wanted it, and gave me that deal. And it was a a one bedroom in Soho. We sold it for for I think eight hundred thousand, and that was a direct deal, which was a, an amazing first deal. Wow! Um, but I wound up going. Um, so, I mean, so we put it on in February. I probably didn't close it until uh, until like May or something like that. And that was, you know, months and months and months without a paycheck. Yeah, so you basically grind, and that's why I'm, I'm curious to know, you, you, you really grinded for nine months until you got a payday. Oh, yeah. And I remember saving saving every penny I had when I was at my, W2 job prior saying, I know I'm going into this, but I know I'm not going to make a penny. I had $1,000 left in my bank account. Wow. Before that payday came, I remember thinking like, all right, I'm going to have to talk to my parents and see if they, if they could help me out a little bit. And, and that, I mean, that stressful moment. And, and what I've learned, I mean, 10 years, that anxiety of when the next paycheck is coming doesn't go away. So that's what keeps you, keeps you moving and getting to the next deal. Well, that's kind of like an interesting trade-off. A couple a couple points based on what you said. A, outside of people in Hollywood, the people that make the most money in the world are, are salespeople. Mm -hmm. right? 
So mm-hmm. on, the one, on the one hand is, you know, you're not guaranteed to get a paycheck tomorrow, but the upside is, is massive. Another thing you did, which I feel like a lot of people don't do is, you know, there's preparation. You say to yourself, you didn't say, you know what, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to be a realtor tomorrow. You were like, Hey, listen, I want to be a realtor. I'm going to, you know, get an education, get the licensing. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to save all this money so that I have, you know, hopefully six months to a year's worth of bills saved. Mm-hmm. In the and then I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to do it the smart way. And then when you were, you know, when you first got into it, you basically weren't proud. Like you did whatever the hell you have to do. A lot of agents don't want to work other people's uh, open houses. This business, every business is like, is a relationship business. It's about, it's a popularity contest, essentially. Who, oh, yeah. Who, like, who knows and is liked by the most amount of people? And obviously, you have to do a good job. But I know a lot of people that get a ton of listings or a ton of business in every business that suck at what they do, but people just like them and they're out all the time. There are a lot of people in this business. And this is something I, I came into it knowing none of this. And I didn't come into this with a network of loaded people who are ready to buy and sell apartments. There are so many people, I'm sure, in the country and in the world, in this in this very wealthy city specifically, that you know were raised with a silver spoon and have a tremendous, tremendous network and don't do uh, don't do much to to hustle and, and to and to get their payday. But because they have that network, it makes it it makes this business a hell of a lot easier for them. So you know, for that, um, it helps me, it, it helps me just, you know, work my ass off, I'd say. So because I, I don't have that network. I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about, you know, marketing, lead gen, things like that. Um, I mean, again, New York city, doesn't matter what you do. There's, you know, tons of people, tons of, uh, competition out there. You know, what do you do as much as you, you want to divulge? And I think kind of all businesses are the same is, you know, how are you generating leads? What are you doing? Like to, to be able to stay, to be in this business for 10 years is, is not an easy thing to do. Right. Um, so for me, I think it's, it's, I started off with the, uh, you know, marketing to people I didn't know. And that's like, it's very hard in New York because you can't, you know, go knock on someone's door and, and say, hi, my name is. Um, so it, it has to be cold calling or, uh, you know, or sending postcards or letters to people's, uh, you know, to someone's mailbox who you don't know, which was cold intro. Um, and in New York, if someone's, like I said, knows seven agents, that's going to be very difficult. Um, so, and also what I found for myself is that I just found that to be a disingenuine way of, of presenting myself, especially as a young kid, I was in my, uh, my mid twenties, I was 24 when I got into the business. Um, so it made it, you know, as a, as some young kid without a track record, it made it very hard to say, Hey, uh, can I sell your apartment or do you want to work with me to buy an apartment? Um, so what I started doing is basically just, I guess networking as much as I possibly could and meeting everybody I could. Um, I found that just being, being myself, um, and, and talking to as many people, that's the way that I've got my uh, my network per se, um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty much it. I don't I do the like the just sold postcards or just rented postcards to an entire building um, when I do sell something or do rent something because I've done probably multiple transactions in a building, so it makes it easier. Um, but I'm not doing the 
the lead gen stuff per se. Okay. I'm just curious from my own thing. When you when you do those just sold or just rented postcards, how do you how do you find the conversion to be with those? Honestly, slim to none. I think what it does is yeah, it's it's I, I you know you have to hit someone probably three or four times for them to remember your name and we just don't the the volume isn't there. It's not like Long Island or some or another suburb market where you're selling, you know, seventy five, a hundred homes a year. We're doing hopefully thirty 30 transactions a year, something like that. Um, so we're not hitting the same building on the same block. Um, so that's why, you know, the, the conversion rate isn't huge, but just to get in front of their face so they see us, if, you know, especially if you're doing several transactions in a building, your face is on the postcard, your name, your cell phone number. If they're seeing that multiple times, they're eventually going to say, okay, this is the guy I'm going to call when I sell. And I've definitely seen that, you know, that conversion does happen, but, you know, it's probably 1%. Yeah, it's very interesting because um, I've done every kind of advertising they are. Like, I'm on TV screaming, if you have a house that smells like cat piss with this hat on, and people are like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Right? I've been on the radio screaming about cat piss again. Like, I've done everything and anything possible. But when I really quantify, and, and that stuff does convert, and it does make money in the long term. But when, yeah, I really, yeah. when I really quantify, you know, where my deals and things come from, it's always very much relationship-based which yep. I would kind of argue is the most expensive type of lead because it requires your time. So it requires, mm -hmm. you know, constant networking, constant conversations, constant like giving to the world mm -hmm. uh, before that they're like, you know what? I, I really, I, I, I like him. I identify with him or her. I want to, I want to kind of give back. So yep. um, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's not, it's not easy. So, I mean, you went about it the hard way, but I, I think it's the, uh, the best way. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I've seen so many people in in this business who work there who, who work their ass off, and you're working on the wrong thing. Um, and like I was just saying, if you're if you're act like yourself, I'm not a, a flashy salesy type of guy. I'm very upfront and genuine. I feel like that comes off my clients. I also work my ass off. Um, I'm dealing with one with with one guy right now. And fortunately, I don't want to shoot my own horn, but I've heard this a couple of times over the last few months during this is people that are trying to buy in other markets. So they're going to a secondary market like the Hamptons or Connecticut or Massachusetts or something like that. And um, so I've either referred them to an agent or they're, or they're, you know, they have someone through their network and, and I'm, and they're asking me about it and they're saying, they're saying to me, you know, I think that I was spoiled with you because I'm, you're responsive and on top of everything. And then you're dealing with someone in another market who's not as uh uh, committed to making a deal happen. So that's what helps spread my referral basis. That's what my, you know, what my network's been based off of. No. And that's, and that's really what it's, that's really what it's about. Um, yep. so a thing I want to transition into is, so you, you got in this business 10 years ago, you're busting your ass, mm -hmm. you're networking, you know, now you're, how old are you? 34 now? 35. 35 now. You have a, you have an adorable son, right? You have a family. Thank you. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a totally different world now. So how do you now balance family life? If there is such a thing as balance, because on Instagram, you seem to balance it pretty well. Like on Instagram, everything seems amazing. <laughs> like everybody else's life. Right. Mm -hmm. but, uh, mm -hmm. How the hell is he? I always wonder like how do very successful people in high pressure markets like you balance mm -hmm. 
their family life and wanting their kid to actually know what they look like with, you know, being in the toughest place there is to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that getting into this position in my life now where I have a two and a half year old and, and a wife of seven years, even though we met uh, probably over a slice of full cheese at Oneonta. Um, uh-huh. I want... <laughs> Did you really? Did you really? Yeah, yeah, her? yeah. You met her in a pizzeria. Yeah. So no, you... no, not in a, not in a pizzeria. Oh. Like but but she went to Oneonta. Oh, okay, so you didn't like stumble in, you no. know, half sauced, like <laughs> with the pizza, and there she is. That's definitely how we met. Anyway, but just. I'm sure there was pizza somewhere in that mix, but not at a pizzeria. All right, nice. <laughs> Keep going. But any, but anyway, the uh, you know, it's I mean, it's certainly a difficult balance for sure because I'm sitting here constantly with this in my hand. Oh, um, and she, you know that she eat you for it. Is she like put this thing down? Like, does she get it? Your wife? <laughs> she is beyond understanding, and especially you know, this is this is a job where you have to live, you have to live where you work yeah. um, because, because I will show apartments seven days a week. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll show, I'll show apartments at 10 o'clock at night. If, if that's what, if that's what this buyer wants. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to eat, sleep and, and breathe uh, this business. So it's certainly a difficult thing, but I mean, as I'm, as I'm getting older, um, and this is, this is, you know, on the path to, to where you are, not even, not even close to it, but I want to get into the position of, of passive income, uh, and, 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 you know, and rental properties, which I, uh, just closed on my second one a couple of weeks ago, awesome. um, where I, I, thank you, sir. So I want to be, I want to be in that position where, you know, I want to be coaching my son's, uh, soccer game and not have to stress of stress where I can put this away for, you know, for a few hours at a time and say, okay, I'm fully committed to this and then, and, and putting the time in with my son and family and, and worry about the other stuff later. Cause it's going to wait. Yeah. Real estate is really an amazing thing because it, it really enables you, if you do it right to, to have real financial freedom, a lot of different industries do, but real estate is really like one of the, the best passive, passive yeah. investment strategies. Yeah. Now, so, yep. uh, I mean, actually, I didn't know that about you. I didn't realize that you were into real estate investing, that you had multiple properties. Do you, do you have a strategy with your investments there? Are they certain types of rentals in a certain type of area? What do you typically like? Uh, the, so the two places I bought are probably, uh, within walking distance of a place where you can get a, a slice of cold cheese pizza. Up yes! In yes! <laughs> Not college rentals. I can't. I can't wrap my head around doing that because I was a college student in a college rental, and I, I think one of the houses was condemned after we moved out. And this was like it was a side by side, two family that I think had seven guys in one and four in the other. So it was like, it, you know, it's essentially a frat house. These are uh, one of them is a two family, the other one's a three family. Nice. Um, Working working people. One of them is a Section Eight, which I had no idea what it was Love beforehand, that. and Love it. it's 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 amazing. Best thing ever. I had no idea how good it was. Ever. Yeah, ever. I I really I I I truly. I mean, I'm not educated on it now, but I was completely uneducated uh, before, so now I see the difference. 
I mean, every month it's, it's mailbox money. It is. I mean, they bump their own rents. They never leave. And the cool thing about a place like Oneonta is this, like typically in those tertiary S type markets, like Oneonta. And I, and I encourage a lot of people who are watching this to, to explore these kind of markets because mm -hmm. there's an affordability factor there as an investor, you know, yep. properties aren't $4 billion. It's not like New York city mm -hmm. where a park mm -hmm. is 3 million bucks. Um, and although you never get massive appreciation in a market like Oneonta or Albany or Syracuse or Buffalo or something like that, what you do have is mm -hmm. very, very predictable, steady results. So, yep. you know, when, when the world goes to shit, Oneonta isn't really impacted. Albany isn't really impacted. It's heavy education, heavy government, things like that. It just kind of cruises along. So I'll, yep. I'll ask you this question through the COVID thing as we transition to, um, you know, what it's like in Manhattan in a, in a post-COVID world. Were you impacted as a landlord in Oneonta with COVID? Not at all. Yeah. Like, like they, they no. like, they're like, what the hell's COVID up there? <laughs> I don't even think they I had thought, COVID up there. I spoke to our agent up there and he's like, two people in town unfortunately passed away. One of them was 104. Um, and the other one, and the other one was just a very, very ill person. Yeah, no. So it's again, to the, to that point, it's very, you know, it's very predictable, very steady. Things don't go crazy, but I actually, now this also comes to me because I think a lot of people are probably ask, asking the same question, which is, yo, he doesn't live anywhere near the cold cheese. How does he manage this shit? So how do you go about managing these properties? Do you self-manage? Do you have a property management company? Talk to me. Have a property. Have a property management company. They are, you know, it's a, it's a couple of guys who who I feel like are they own a bunch of properties themselves and are trying to get their feet wet into the property management business. Okay. Um, so it's been it's it's a good amount of handholding, but for me that's good because I'm new at this too. So I wanna I wanna get to learn as much as I can from 150 miles away. Um, and no, and, and, you know, know exactly what's going on, be as involved as I can, but I don't want to get that, you know, that, that toilet leaking phone call. Um, I want them to handle that, but I also, you know, for me, it's been really good cause, cause I'm learning how to manage them, which is what I need to learn how to do. So, exactly. so, so yeah, so, so it's been, it's been really good from that part. We have, we just closed in the second house, um, probably about four weeks ago. So. So, you know, that's obviously going to be a, a new learning experience because it's a different house. Um, but, but still, uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it seems like a relatively easy market to understand. So talk to me about the, you know, being 150 miles away, talk to me about the acquisition process, deal sourcing, the level of renovation work that you're actually willing to do because mm -hmm. you're nowhere near there. I don't know. Are you, are you mm -hmm. a hate? Anyway, like, are you? Do you? No, have no. I'm. I'm. Uh, me. Oh, no, no. My brother is five thousand times more handy than I than I am. And because you look, you look like the eye, to the untrained eye. Don't let like my beard fool you. Yeah, you could whittle a piece of wood into basically anything no. that I need. No, I'm. I'm awful at this. So, so uh, I'm a fifty-fifty partner with with my uh, closest friend who also went to Oneonta and going into business with your friends, probably the worst advice anyone could give anyone, but we seem to be really much on the same page. And he is, he grew up 
in a contracting family. He's a nice. he's a project manager for CBRE now, so he's really he, he knows what the hell he's doing with this stuff. So is he, is he, he, Jew, is he Jewish also? No. See, this makes no. sense because you know that right. as Jews, we don't. This is not what we do. No, no, we do we do numbers. Yes, I can, I can, I can, and and then in doing this for ten years, I can put every every piece of this deal together. He's like, you, you do that, I'll work. make the place yeah. beautiful. It works. It just works. Exactly. exactly. Work. That's what we're doing. So, um, so yeah. So no, not handy at all. What I I really, really, really want to get into the position of of you know, uh, rehab, refinance, take the money and move it onto the next one. So I can, so I can scale and make it, make it bigger and faster. Um, but these two deals, uh, were brought to us by the agent that we, that we're using up there, both off market. Um, so, uh, the first time we went up, which was when we bought the first property, I don't know how long ago that was. I think it was, it was like February of 19, something like that. Um, uh, you know, just toward 10 properties, just like I do with any client. And, but, but I was going up there with the, with the intention of, we're going to look at a lot of properties and we're going to buy one of these properties. It wasn't an, an exploratory search. Let's learn this market. It was, we're going to make this, we're going to make a deal when we go up, which we wound up doing, which was great. And the house has been great. Um, second one was off market as well. And, uh, both of these properties have been fully tenanted when we buy them. Existing leases. You know, work can certainly be done in some of the apartments, but minimal. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're buying a cash flowing asset from day one. Um, not expecting any appreciation whatsoever, just looking for cash flow. I want to get to the next one where we can do that, where we can do the rehab. And honestly, I want to get into the, the next one to be even bigger, like a 10 unit, something like that. Nice. I mean, I think you'll find it's more of like a psychological thing that. Mm -hmm. Once you get bigger, it's just a matter of like it's just more zeros. You're like there's yeah. there's really no difference between doing a three unit or doing you know a three hundred unit. Obviously, there's logistics mm -hmm. and that, but it's really it's it's just really the the numbers. Right. Yeah, and that's what um, I mean. That's the same thing here, and you you touched on it before. If I'm negotiating a fifteen million dollar deal or a three hundred thousand dollar deal, the aspects of the deal are the same you might work your ass off a lot harder on the three hundred thousand dollar deal because that money means so much more to that person yeah that's true so this brings me to another point that we touched on off air but i want to touch on it again because i'm sure everybody else is thinking yo who the fuck is buying a 50 million dollar whatever or renting an apartment for thirty-five thousand dollars a month who are these people they are people who love New York and want a piece of it. There are, I mean, a lot of the people, quite honestly, who are renting the, the 30,000 plus, a lot of them are, you know, they're finance people, they're athletes, they're people who are going to be here for two to three years. And for them, they obviously have the money, but it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not wise for them to buy a place because they're going to be here short term. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. It's just like you yeah. see these new developments. Like when I was at NYU, we would do all these, you know, analysis about like buildings and things that they're building and, you know, $4,500 a square foot they're selling as condos. And I would just think to mm -hmm. myself, who buys this stuff? Like, and where okay. does 
they come from. It's just, it blows my mind. And it's real. And so, I mean, and selling off spec is, is a huge thing in New York City. I have a, I have a deal that's going to close um, in three weeks right around the corner from me where we went to a showroom and looked at floor plans. And that's wow. the person who's going to, that's going to, that's the person who's going to live in that apartment, not, not rent it out or something or not. They're not an investor, they're primary resident. Well, talk to me about also, obviously everything that's going on is just sheer madness. Manhattan is just like, what the hell is going on? But mm -hmm. even, even prior to that new development, new construction development was down really, really big. And then mm -hmm. now we are where we are. Um, you know, just talk to me about the market, about the different uh, different price points, what's moving, what's not. Is everything just stalled right now? And what's mm -hmm. kind of like the feeling on the street? Because the, what we're hearing out in Long Island is, bro, everybody's leaving. Like, I don't know where they're going, but they're they're leaving any kind of major city. They're going back to wherever they grew up. They're going to the Hamptons. They're going to Long Island. First time home buyer mm -hmm. down in Long Island is just is bananas. Luxury. Oh, yeah. Luxury's even doing okay because now you have people like, oh, they can afford big money in the city, but they don't want to be there. So they're going to old Brookville and all these places. So yeah. what are you seeing and hearing uh, on your end? Um, so I only have, uh, I think, two, two people, two or maybe three clients who are leaving the city. And their plan was to leave the city at some point. This just accelerated that. So I, I don't know anyone who's saying this coronavirus shit is, is too crazy for me. I got to get the hell out of here. Um, everyone who lives in New York City wants to live here is staying here um, from everything that I've seen. The, we, have, we have rented a bunch of apartments during this process. When we can't show apartments, we're doing um, virtual tours, 3D virtual tours, which have been big in, you know, I think in suburb markets. They've yeah. been trying to, the, the companies have been trying to make a push in Manhattan or New York City for a long time, but just hasn't been working because, you know, it's a small apartment. It feels different. They want to, they want to go see it, especially since they're right here. Um, so the, the rental market has been pretty active and that's from like a $4,000 one bedroom up to a $30,000 townhouse. Um, but other than that, the sales market, which is where we, you know, our primary focus has been has been slow and that's because we can't show apartments it was illegal for us to show apartments for a, a ten thousand dollar fine or lose your license it was illegal until yesterday so yesterday was the beginning of phase two in new york city and i think that it's going to be you know a little bit of a slog for the next couple of weeks because people are are still out of town you know they're not sure if they if they want to step outside yet you know people are just starting to eat outside of restaurants uh at my window here um, so I expect a little bit of a slog, but I do expect that the, the one to $3 million price point, which is, a, you know, which is always a very active price point because those are, you know, even though it's crazy numbers, it's still, you know, uh, the average one to two bedroom young family who are making good money, who are planning to set boots down here. Those are the, that, that is the market that I think is going to pick up. And I have, I have two. Um, and maybe a third listing coming up, all uptown, two bedrooms, um, one of them with outdoor space that I think that I think that they're going to pop, honestly. So I'm curious on the rental side, have, what have the rental numbers been like? Have you seen a, a decrease in, in asking or effective rents? Have you seen 
landlords paying commissions. Cause I know a lot of people, I know a decent amount of people in Manhattan. And as of like June 1st, they, they started to have massive vacancies. I guess it depends on the really? market, but um, yeah. you haven't seen that. So the rental rental buildings yeah. are a completely different animal. So, you know, so that's the one, the one owner, one landlord who owns the whole, the whole set. Yeah. Um, they are offering concessions. They're offering one month free, two months free. They'll, they'll waive a security deposit. Um, so those are, you know, those are big numbers. Um, but they're also asking that if you're signing a two, if you're, if they're going to give you two months free, that's a 25 month lease. So that, so that person's committing to two years. Um, yeah. I'm representing condo investors. So, you know, they own a single unit. Um, and they are, if, if it's an, if it's a good apartment in a good market, a good neighborhood, a good building, they're moving. Um, so typically when it comes to fee, you know, historically the tenant pays the fee since this little shift in the market or, but, but even more so than just COVID it's been the last like year and a half. If my landlord is reasonable and willing, I'm saying cover the fee, you're just going to get a tenant passer. So, you know, if, if you're talking one month's rent as a fee, but you're going to sit vacant for six months because you don't want to pay the fee, then you're not making a wise decision anyway. Um, so then you're happy to sit there with a vacant apartment. I've, most most of the landlords have been agreeable to say, "Hey, yeah, let me cover the fee and we'll get a rent faster," and that that works. No, that 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 makes sense. And yeah, I guess I, we've been hearing, kind of seeing the uh, the shift. I just I would think it would have been a little more extreme than you're saying, but that's that's a good sign. It means I mean, New York is New York City is is one of the most resilient places mm-hmm. on the planet. Yeah, we've I mean we've rented a couple of apartments. You know, it's it's sight unseen. They're taking it off that virtual tour. Um, so, yes, while the the Soho rental building um, or, or or anywhere up here really uh, that has 50 units, they're getting concessions, and that's what you're seeing. That's the ticker you're seeing in the news. Um, you know, rents are down, but they're not talking about the individual condo owner who's who's getting the rent that he's asking for. But if anything, a slight discount. But that's nothing different than what we've been seeing quite honestly since 2016. Are you concerned about New York city or New York in general in the long term? Uh, no. I mean, I think we saw after the 08 crash and even as far back as nine 11, this market bounces back fast. People yeah. want to be here. Jobs are going to be here. Um, so long term, no, I think people want to be here. Um, and the, and the, their money, there's money to be had here. So they're going to be here. The, the, what COVID has changed. Um, and this is what I'll be interested to see going forward is everyone or not every, a lot of companies are saying, okay, we, we can pay our employees to work from home. We don't yeah. have to pay this however many million dollars a month lease to, to have this building or to have this office. So. Are people going to leave for that? You know, for that idea of they don't have they don't physically have to be close to work. They can be in an outer borough or an outer market um, where they can be home. But I think a lot of people, like myself, you know, I obviously I want to be close to my job um, because I'm bouncing all over the boroughs. But I also want to be here. I want to raise my son here. So I think a lot of people also uh, share that same feeling. Yeah, I guess the, the biggest concern for me, and I don't know the answer to this, and maybe it's not our generation because we're like we're, we're we're getting up there already. But 
you know, the next generation that the norm is you can work from anywhere and make New York money. Because my concern about New York is this. I love New York. I think it's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. The thing about New York is, is there's certain things that suck about New York. A, it's cold as hell. B, <laughs> B, like Manhattan is now like getting dirty. There's bums with rotting legs on every corner every time you walk around now. And it is insanely mm -hmm. expensive. So... Yeah. If you're 22 years old and you get a job working for Google and you're making 250K a year and they're like, yo, you never have to come to work again, mm -hmm. are you going to want to be here? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a fair question. I have, I literally have a, literally have a friend who's at Google, who's one of the guys who I know is looking at rentals right now, expecting a kid and planning to stay here. So that's, I mean, that, that hits that pretty well. Um, but I, but. I get, I totally get what you're saying. A lot of my clients that have been, um, uh, that own their place here and are maybe looking to rent elsewhere, they're buying a second home in, in the Hamptons or, or the Catskills or something like that and still planning to, a lot of them planning to keep their place here in New York City. Okay. Yeah. I mean, only, only time will tell. Nobody really knows, you know, yep. what, what is going to happen. The one thing I do know, and you know very well as well is, that regardless of what's going on in the world, Section 8 is always paying. Yeah, that's for damn sure. So the last thing I want to close out with is, because this is of my own curiosity, because this is what I talk to your brother about all the time about you, is your athletic prowess, your, 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 <laughs> your ability to defy all, like, just any physical barriers. And, live, like, you could get up tomorrow and do a, uh, an Ironman. Is what 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 is this? Is this mental <laughs> toughness? Is this God given? Like what what is it that enables you to go bike seven hours, swim three miles, and run a marathon after just eating a pizza? That part I I don't know. I, I guess uh, I'll I'll thank my parents for that. I'll thank I'll thank my bloodline for that. But you know, a lot of it is I also I work my ass off um, in that department. Um, granted, I haven't probably during these last three months because I've been enjoying family time and sitting on our couch and, and watching, uh, watching Elmo on TV for nine hours straight, which is what we do from time to time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Reality. What, what I have I'm to at. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy really pushing myself and, you know, to those, to those breaking points, um, and seeing how far you can actually go, um, you know, physically and mentally, uh, because it's a huge, you know, it's a huge emotional game aside from the physical game, because your, you know, your mind says a lot to you, um, when you're, when you're in those, in those holes, when you're on, you know, 29th mile of a race and you have three left to go or something like that. Um, so it's not the, comp it's not the competitive streak with other people, but more with myself. And I think, quite honestly, I feel like that has helped me in my job because there's, you know, perseverance is a huge, huge aspect of um, of what we do in our career in life in New York City. And if I'm running, a, a, you know, 50K at Bear Mountain. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was going to say, as you were saying this, it's just it, it, you see the parallels between, you know, business and life and obviously the fact that you've you've achieved a certain level of success as a result of who you are and, and what you're willing to, mm -hmm. to, to put into it. Um, 
yo, you're the man. I love you. It's great to actually sit down and have a conversation. I appreciate you. Coming out. Um, how do people, cause I want to put it across the bottom of the screen. If you want to reach out to you, if they're looking for the ultimate in luxury, whether that be a rental or a sale or a purchase, you're the guy. How do they get in touch with you? How do they get a hold of you? Uh, I would say call me, text me, 516-351-5602. 602. Perfect. And one last thing I would like to know is for anybody out there who is considering a, uh, a career in real estate sales, mm -hmm. um, maybe they're in it and they're frustrated or maybe they're thinking about doing it. And, um, and they're a little apprehensive. What advice do you have uh, for those people? Um, I would say two things. One is, is be yourself. You, you, it, I think people can read uh, fakeness from across the room. It, com it comes off. Um, this is not a, a salesy job. You have to be open and honest and work your ass off. The other thing is um, this is not a side job this is not a part-time job this is 24 hours seven days a week 365 days a year so if you're saying that you want to do it you have to you know go save those six months of reserves that that rainy day fund and quit your job and commit yeah no listen couldn't uh couldn't say it better myself um obviously i'm the captain permit obviously i'm the handsome home buyer hell i'm anybody you want me to be but if you need permits Give us a call, 516-513-8838. Again, if you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated for the 1960s, six inches of mold, gas stations with toxic waste, you name it, I'm quick, I'm easy, I want to buy it, 516-777-SOLD. That is a wrap. Brandon, you're the man. Thank you again. Enjoy the day. Stay safe and healthy, and I hope to see you soon. Si me llamo yo, orgulloso estoy de mi herencia judía. Más